Welcome to the Old Fashioned On Purpose podcast. What if I told you that there was a very organic and very affordable way to not only fertilize your soil, but also to increase organic matter, suppress the weeds, and prevent erosion? Sounds almost too good to be true, doesn't it? Well, I think I have found an option that you're gonna love. Today, I am so thrilled to have Parker from True Leaf Market joining me today on the podcast. True Leaf is an amazing non-GMO seed company that is pretty much a homesteader's dream store online. They carry all sorts of garden seeds, sprouting kits, and everything in between. Parker is joining me today to talk about cover crops. Now, cover crops are something I have been aware of for a while, but whenever I would try to research them, I was always left with more questions than answers. We're solving that today. So keep on listening for all the whys and hows of putting cover crops in your garden. And timing is everything with these. And because we are reaching the end of the season in many areas, you're probably going to want to implement this right away. I'm your host, Jill Winger, and for the last 10 years, I've been helping people just like you who feel a little bit disenchanted by modern life. I'll show you how to leave the rat race and create the life you really want by learning how to grow your own food and master old-fashioned skills. So without further ado, I am so excited to have Parker from True Leaf here with me today. Thanks for jumping on the Old Fashioned On Purpose podcast, Parker. You bet. Thanks for having me. Yeah. So this is going to be a really fun topic, and I'm really excited to have you on because this is not a topic that I really have in my own personal wheelhouse yet. So we are talking cover crops and all the amazing things they can do for your garden. And let's start off this topic, Parker. Just kind of give me a little background on yourself and also True Leaf Market. You bet. So um, I am uh, one of the partners in True Leaf, and my kind of uh, my kind of department is marketing. And as far as um, kind of. Uh, my expertise, I'm a little bit more focused on our microgreens. So I've been growing microgreens for 20 some odd years. Um, and some of our other partners are a little more conversant on different topics like sprouts or wheatgrass or traditional gardening, those types of things. But we're all, there's quite a bit of overlap between all of us. And we are a full service uh, seed company. Uh, we also have a lot of growing supplies, but in addition to selling a, a, a large line of you know, good old fashioned gardening seeds, including heirlooms and organics. We also uh, hit a lot of specialty areas like cover crops, like uh, flowers and herbs, uh, sprouts, microgreens, grains and grasses, those types of things. Yeah. And I was, you know, I've been working with you guys for a while in some different sponsorship relationships, um, but I was spending a little bit of time on your website before we jumped on today. You guys have number one, a beautiful website. Number two, it's really like very much full service. Like you said, it's got a lot of options that you don't see in your typical garden seed catalogs or websites. So it's, it's a really fun place. If you're a homestead gardener, like I am to go spend some time clicking around. Uh, well, thank you. We're, we work hard at, at making it a good selection and, and an informative site and easy to use. 
Yeah. So, um, okay. Let's just dive on in. So a few minutes ago, before we jumped on, I posted a very quick informal poll on my Prairie Homestead Facebook page. And I asked people if they were currently using cover crops, you know, what their experience with them was. And so far the overwhelming response has been, I don't know what the heck you're talking about. What is a cover crop? So can we start there? Can you please tell us Quick definition, what exactly is a cover crop? You bet. So a cover crop is a is a very sustainable, very natural uh, technique to rehabilitate your soil either after the growing season is over for your garden, or you can also do it in the, in the early, early spring before your growing season. So more than anything, what you're doing is you're adding green biomass back into the soil different cover crops will have different benefits like some like some cover crops like mustards for example tend to uh, tend to discourage nematodes while uh, driller radish for example will uh, aerate and break up the soil and other crops like um, like uh, like deep-rooted crops like an alfalfa will pull nutrients up from the deep soil up into kind of the plant layer of soil they do erosion control, they do a variety of things, but the main, the main purpose of a cover crop is to plant, like, and I'll give you an example of how you would use it, right? You plant your garden, you harvest all of your garden vegetables, uh, probably by what, late August, early September. Mm -hmm. Then at that point, you seed with a cover crop. And a cover crop, again, can be something like a winter rye. Our most popular cover crop by a mile is our mix that contains eight or nine or ten different varieties of cover crops that provide different benefits. You seed that, you let that grow, and depending on your approach, you can either mow that down at the end of the season. You can allow it, it depending on how cold an area you're in, you can allow it just to winter kill. You probably don't want it to go to seed because you'll get some volunteers the next season but you you let that just lie on top of the soil through the winter whether you whether you mow it or whether it, it winter kills and then in the spring um depending again on your strategy there's you know everybody has a different technique with when it comes to gardening right and there's no right or wrong approach but if you if you're somebody inclined to till then you might till that that biomass under you want to do that probably two or three weeks before you plant your garden and it enriches your soil it brings nutrients into the soil. Some, you know, some uh, cover crops like uh, like legumes, for example, will uh, will pull nitrogen out of the air. You plant it in your, or, or you till it under, and you've added a lot of nitrogen to your soil. So it's a very natural kind of fertilizer. It just depends on what you're what you're trying to accomplish. But again, a good all-purpose is a good is a good fit. And then you've got a lot stronger, richer soil ready to grow kind of a green manure kind of an approach. Mm -hmm. So what I'm hearing you say is there's more than one reason I might want to do this. Sure. Um, so you said it would improve soil health. It would fix nitrogen, right? Yep. Um, prevent nematodes, add more organic matter. What else did I miss? That's a lot of good information there. Uh, erosion control. Okay. It, yes. it can break up the soil. Again, it can pull nutrients from deep in the soil. Um, it can control nematodes just you know different cover crops do different things but again we've got a we've got a, our 
our garden cover crop mix is our our absolute most popular by far. It's got a blend of all of these different seeds that do all of these different benefits. So planting that at the end of the season, letting it grow through until winter kill or again, mow it down. You probably don't want to let it go to seed. Some people prefer that. Some people prefer to, to let it go to seed and yeah, they'll have some volunteers, but you've got beneficial plants in your garden next to your your primary crops, right? Right. But I'm a little too OCD for that myself. Mm-hmm. Um, so basically, that's basically the idea. Yeah, and so it sounds like the mix is definitely a good option for those of us who aren't sure quite how to diagnose what we need. The mix it, covers everything. It's a very good all-purpose cover crop. Yeah, Excellent. so di- okay. different cover crops do different things. You know, in a garden, you might steer away from alfalfa because it's a perennial. You're going to have that. You know, controlling that and, and getting rid of it is going to be tough. But for a lot of farms and, and bigger agriculture, alfalfa is a very strong cover crop, but might not be a good fit for a garden. But for a general all-purpose garden, our garden cover crop mix is, is probably the place to start. Okay. Okay. So this is my next question. Cause in the, so I've never done cover crops for listeners. I have not tried this yet. I have looked at them several times in the past. And the thing that always stops me from pulling the trigger is the timing. So for example, and this is why I was excited. Well, one of the reasons I was excited to have you on today, Parker, cause I'm like, maybe he can help me figure this out. Um, we are in zone five and right. it's a, it's a pretty harsh zone five. Like we are going to get our first frost either tonight or tomorrow, which is a little bit late. Usually it's kind of mid September. Um, and then we don't get, we don't plant till the end of May and we get a lot of wind and nastiness in, in between. So I just pulled out a lot of my plants, my t- potatoes and tomatoes and peppers. They came out yesterday. So they just came out, you know, in with the frost impending and I'm like how could I would I have time to plant a cover crop now or is it kind of too late no it's a, it, it depends right so the, there's different kinds of cover crops our cover crop our garden seed cover crop mix is a cold weather blend which means it'll grow in warm weather but it it will it will grow sometimes slowly depending on zone five so in zone five where are you like Colorado Montana type territory Southeast Wyoming. Yeah. So near okay. Colorado. Yeah. So there you go. So, um, so our, our garden cover crop seed mix, winter rye, uh, most, co- most of the cover crops we sell on our site are colder weather crops. The only one that's kind of a warm weather crop is, is a buckwheat, right? Mm-hmm. So for timing in a place like Wyoming, Montana, the Dakotas, that type of that type of colder area, Minnesota, what you're what you're typically going to look look at is starting that cover crop very soon after your final harvest of the year, right? So okay. you're probably pulling out what pumpkins as late as anything, right? Yep. Soon as that's done, late September, mid September, late September, early October, uh, what you'll want to do is is seed that garden at that point with cover crop let it grow as long as it'll grow and it'll and most of it will probably just winter kill let that sit on top of the garden and if you're if and again some people will till some people don't till i'm a little too ocd i i like to till it but it's very popular to do a no-till let it sit on top as a mulch it still provides a lot of the benefit without you know disturbing the soil right uh, but that's that's typically 
your timing. Now, you can also plant cover crops in the spring. As soon as it gets the earliest hint of warmness uh, and without a, 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 you know, the, the threat of a, of a real serious overnight frost is gone, uh, seed, your, seed your garden there, let it grow as much as possible, and then you want to mow it down or till it under um, two to three weeks before you're ready to plant your garden so that that green biomass has time to decompose and provide the benefits to the soil. Does that, okay. did that answer your timing question the way yes. you were hoping? Perfect. It did because you know what, when I've Googled it in the past, they would say, Oh, the, the best time to plant your cover crop is August. And I'm like, um, we're not even having tomatoes on the plant in August. Like we're late here. So I'm like, that's not going to work, but this sounds more doable. Like I maybe even could place an order this week and get it planted because we'll, we'll probably like freeze tonight, but it always warms up again for a little while, or it should. This year has been really weird, so I'm not making any guarantee. Yeah. So you it, would warm up and then get it, cold and warm up and get cold. So that feasibly should give those enough time. Yeah, you should, you should be fine. It, 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 it being the end of, you know, last day of September right now. Mm-hmm. Um, we haven't really got to a point where we've hit our peak cover crop sales. Now, again, USDA zones being what they are. If you're in Texas, man, you can, you can plant this in, in December or January, you're going to be fine. Right. If you're in central or South Texas in Wyoming, yeah, you want to probably get it in the ground um, as early as possible, just immediately right after you've, you've harvested uh, the last of your, your crops. Right. Uh, But I, I would say September, you're probably pretty safe. The good news is cover crops are a very cheap way to fertilize soil. Right. Oh. I think, I think, uh, I can't, I don't know what our pricing is off the top of my head, but a pound of cover crop seed is, you know, like six or eight bucks, something like that for our garden okay. cover crop mix and six or, and, and a pound of cover crop seed on our, on our mix, uh, should do about 600 square feet. Right. Oh, wow. So that's okay. a, it's a pretty decent, it's a pretty decent area, um, for pretty cheap. So, you know, you, you might experiment for a year or two and find your, your correct timing. But, you know, it's not like a huge financial commitment if you miss the mark a little bit. And, and like probably the, the, wor- the worst case, the worst case is you're probably going to have a little less biomass than you optimally would. Okay. Still, still get quite a bit of benefit. Sure, sure. And that is, like you said, that is, that's a, a pretty um, conservative gamble and definitely cheaper. Like if you have to go buy fertilizer at the store, that's cheaper. The seeds are cheaper. Oh, no question fantastic. about it. Yeah, yeah. no question. Yep. So that, that brings me to my next question. Would I technically still need to add fertilizer maybe in the spring or will like a soil test be my best bet to know that? You know, it, it depends on, you know, again, there's, there's, everybody's got an opinion and an approach to gardening. And I don't know that there's any right or wrong answer on that. It's a lot of preference. You know, we have a few folks here uh, at True Leaf that are very uh, committed I guess what I, what I would call a very natural approach to gardening that they, they they're not keen on using a chemical fertilizer at all. They might use a natural trace mineral fertilizer. They, but cover crops, they, they rely very heavily on cover crops. We have something to do both. So okay. it, it's just, it's just a question of your personal preference. Okay. That makes sense. All right. So I want to shift gears a little bit and shift over to some questions around raised beds. So I have, my garden is primarily in raised beds. I know a lot of my readers also use raised beds. 
Is this possible? Can we do cover crops in a raised bed? Absolutely. So my garden is is 100% raised bed. And you can do a cover crop on a raised bed. You treat it no differently than if you weren't using a raised bed. So that's good. number one, good news. Number two, I guess the, the only thing we'd have to take into consideration is the tilling because my beds are pretty high. I'm not going to be able to lift a rototiller up there. That'd be a little crazy. So we'll just have to, if we do go with a tilling approach, when we turn the crops over, that'll just be us and the shovel, right? Yeah. And that's it. And that's not going to, that's not really the same as, as, as machine tilling, right? Mm -hmm. So even some of our folks that are kind of a no-till approach are totally comfortable just using a, a spade to turn it over. It, it's, it, it, it disturbs the soil a lot less and that's totally adequate, you bet. When you, I'm just picturing turning it over because I know like, you know, we've all tried to dig up areas of grass that have taken over and we're trying to pull out the sod and it's so yep. difficult to get it out. It's just like a nightmare. Yep. Do these seed in such like a thick mat or is it different? No, it's a, it's a little different. Now we in our in our garden cover crop mix, uh, we do have some some grasses like a like a winter rye. Uh, I, I I can't remember if there's a wheat in there, but there's definitely winter rye in there. And the benefit of that is it creates a big biomass. You might get a little bit of that, but that that root mat, that tied together root mat, is part of the biomass that you want. So the the real key is to turn it over, uh, keep it wet. As it, and I'm talking about the spring at this point, whether you plant it in the fall or whether you plant it in the spring, you want to, you want to turn it over or at least mow the crop down and give it a chance to decompose for two or three weeks before you plant your garden. So okay. even those, even those root mats, right. That are kind of tied together that feel clumpy. Again, if you're a little OCD, you're thinking, I got to take care of that. If you just let it decompose, that's what you're looking for. Okay, so we're not going to have these big mats, like that's, yeah. which is grass this is like our nightmare, right? So we won't, we won't be dealing with that sort of thing. Yeah, a little bit of warmth, a little bit of moisture should take care of that. Fantastic. Okay. Um, one of the issues that I have in my raised beds, I don't know if you deal with this at all, maybe you don't because you have cover crops, is I've noticed that as see my beds are three, year, three years old, um, they settle. I think it's a combination of settling and just some topsoil loss. And so this last spring, we had to drive to town, which is 40 miles away, pay for topsoil, haul it home, and then manually, of course, wheelbarrow it to each bed. And it took forever. And I was like, I don't want to do that again. Would cover crops be able to help support that topsoil or kind of keep that loss to a minimum? I think it can minimize the loss because what you're, what you're basically doing is you're, you're adding biomass. Uh, and the more, you know, the more you allow the cover crop to grow and the bigger the biomass you have, the more it's going to support that. So it just depends on how much you're adding to the soil. But yeah, that, that should minimize the need to do that or, or lessen the frequency that you've got to, you've got to supplement. Right. Okay. That's good. That would be amazing. Cause that was not a fun project this spring. <laughs> Indeed. Yeah. Okay. So for those of us, well, I'm a visual learner. And well, sometimes I just need to hear things a couple times. So I just like to picture how this is going to work. I'm planting it this week. I'm going to let, you know, I water it, I guess I, if I can, or let the rain or snow water it. Is that just to get it established? I would make sure you, I'm, I'd make sure it's got plenty of water. If, if the okay. weather will support that, that's great. Um, but yes, you want it, you want to plant it as soon as you can, given your, your zone. Mm -hmm. Um, and what I would do is I would, uh, I would smooth out your soil a little bit. 
broadcast it by hand. If you use a me mechanical broadcaster, the problem with the seed mix is it in the in the broadcasters it tends to stratify a little bit. Mm. So broadcasting by hand tends to eliminate that that seed stratification a little bit. Broadcast it by hand and just rake it under. Right, you're you're talking about a planting depth of anywhere from surface to maybe half inch. Right, and you're going to get a blend of that. Okay. Keep it nice and wet. Encourage the growth as much as possible. And then in your zone, you should be fine letting it just grow to a winter kill. Okay. Let that and sit. Then, yep. So go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah. And then let that sit completely over the winter. And then as soon as the weather turns it, it, at all kind of reasonable for working out there in the yard or in the garden, uh, either, uh, well, if you're going to go the no-till route, you just leave it on top. But if you're going to till it under uh, or, or turn it over with a spade, whatever it is, uh, you want to do that at least, again, two to three weeks before you, you're planting the garden. Earlier is better. If you can give it four weeks or five weeks, that's great. But as soon as you can get that uh, you know, tilled under the soil, that'll start the breakdown as it warms up, as the soil is nice and wet, and it, that's where the benefit comes. Yeah, that sounds easy enough, too. It doesn't sound complicated at all. Um, when you say no till, and I'm just picturing like obviously not tilling, you're leaving it there and then you're just digging out where you would plant your seeds and just yep, kind of planting within it. Yep, basically. You're, you're seeding right through like it's a mulch right on the top. And okay. again, there's, there's different uh, opinions about that. And, uh, you know, before this podcast, I kind of asked around and I got, I got very strong opinions on from different folks in our our company on, on how they approach gardening. We've got one that's very, very committed to a no-till approach. And I said, isn't that a little OCD? I mean, I, I'm too OCD to have all that stuff on the top of my garden in between my plants. And she said, well, you got to, you just got to get to a point where you tamp that down because it's, it's better for the soil. And I, mm. and other people said, ah, till it. So it's just really a personal preference thing. I don't, I don't know that we're hardcore committed to one approach or the other as a company. Um, even though we have individuals that, that are within the organization. Sure. You know, that reminds me or makes me think of um, in years past, I've done the deep mulch method that was made popular by Ruth Stout, where she just basically says, put 10 inches of hay or straw over your garden. And then you just pull it back and plant in the mass. And it kind of reminds me of that. It's not great for OCD. Like you said, it's kind of like, Oh my gosh, it's messy. And there's stuff everywhere. And it, it works. Yep. But, you know, I think it can work either way. So that's, there you go. that's helpful. Um, exactly yeah. right. Yep. Awesome. All right. Well, that really answers my questions. Are there any other tips or tricks you want to share with listeners before we sign off today? In, in the realm of cover crop, I don't, I don't think so. It's, it's not a very complicated process. I mean, what, what you're basically doing is you're just basically using a natural technique and a sustainable technique to add uh, biomass and revitalize the soil. I, I don't know there's any real tricks to it. It's, it's a pretty straightforward idea. It's a practice that's gaining a lot more popularity. Um, and we're, we're seeing, we're seeing a lot of growth in, in the sale of our cover crop seeds, which I think means more gardeners are adopting the practice. I love it. That's good news. You bet. Yeah. Alrighty. Well, I appreciate so much you jumping on with me today. This was so informative. I learned a ton and I am going to go order some seeds like literally right now. So Very thank cool. you so well, much. Thank you so much for having me.
Well, I don't know about you, but I am feeling totally inspired after that interview. If you would like all of the details we talked about today in one easy to find place, we have put together a super handy printable to help you keep all the facts straight. Go to theprairiehomestead.com slash cover, C-O-V-E-R, to grab this printable for free. That's theprairiehomestead.com slash cover. And that is it, my friends. If you have a minute, I would be so honored if you would pop over to your favorite podcast player, hit subscribe, and leave a quick review so more people can bring homesteading into their lives. Thanks for listening, and I'll catch up with you next time on the Old Fashioned On Purpose podcast.